Welcome to the Meta Business Podcast. The Metaverse and Web3 are bringing about the biggest revolution since the internet itself. With your hosts, Paul the Prophet Dawalibi and Jeff the Juice Cohen, we will be bringing you the latest Metaverse business news and insight into what it all means. The Meta Business Podcast starts now. From the boardroom to the metaverse, this is the Meta Business Podcast. I am Paul the Prophet Dawalibi. I'm joined today by my friend and co-host, Jeff the Juice Cohen. For those of you who are new here, welcome to the official podcast of the metaverse. What we do is we cover the most pressing metaverse topics and news of the week, but we look at all of it through a business and C-suite lens. We dissect, we analyze the business implications of everything happening in this amazing industry. For our regular listeners, thank you guys for tuning in every week. Thank you for all the love, the five-star ratings and reviews. If you haven't yet, go leave a review on the podcast, but more importantly, go share it, send it to a colleague, send it to a friend. We really appreciate it. This is how we grow. Or maybe post it on your LinkedIn or on your socials, uh, an episode that you particularly liked. That always helps. And we appreciate it. Jeff, how are you doing this week? I'm doing good. Doing good. Uh, good as always. It's nice when uh, the light, it's still light out when we record, which is good. <laughs> as, we, as we get later into the year, it gets, you know, it's nicer out. So that's positive. How about it's, you? It's been crazy. I think you and I have, have commiserated that. Uh, I, I feel like this is maybe the busiest time of year and like conferences are back. And so there's a lot of people going to conferences and a lot of like networking that's happening. And um, I just feel like it's extra busy. Uh, like the, the business world is sort of getting back to normal is, is what it feels like. And um, obviously that has an impact, right? Like it just means it's more great opportunity. To great to see that. Plus, this industry is crazy uh, because every week the numbers get bigger, the stories get bigger. Um, so let's jump in, Jeff, because we've got we've got some really good ones here this week. And as always, let's start with something a little. I don't, I don't know if I'd call this light, but it's you know <laughs> maybe less businessy, maybe dystopian, maybe dystopian. That's it. But the headline here, I really like this headline. It's the U.S. military building its own metaverse. Defense tech companies have latched onto the metaverse hype but what they're building will be a far cry from Meta's virtual world. Now, it goes on to tell a story about, you know, fighter pilots basically strapping onto AR headsets and doing missions like refueling missions and things like that uh, on like this mix of augmented reality, AI, video game graphics for fighter pilots to practice dogfighting against virtual opponents, for example. So they're using metaverse-related ideas to augment military systems right whether that's ar or vr or ai or some mix of all of the above which is sort of what the the article dives into here um i mean uh, we don't necessarily need to touch on the specifics here but i'm curious what do you make of a, a military metaverse right a metaverse created purely for either like war games practice call it or to augment the capabilities of an actual military yeah well, technologically, I mean, the military has a long kind of history of, of being pretty early in building stuff. I mean, they, uh, you know, the early internet, I believe, was developed by the military. Um, you know, there's many other cons- things that ended up being consumer technology that actually, you know, started in the military. So maybe there's some element of that here. Although I, I feel like they've basically taken something that's already been going on for a while, which is kind of like using gaming as a... Um, it's almost like a practice for um, for military activities, and and just retransformed it with the word metaverse. Like you know everything that we described there, like dog, practicing dogfighting stuff like that. 
is all stuff that is is really already happening. And to me, it doesn't really rise to the level of being called a metaverse. Because I think one of the big areas for something to be a metaverse, at least in my mind, is is being social, which I don't, this doesn't really seem to have that. And, and also having an economy where it's like people will have a sense of self and a sense of actual, you know, there's actual commerce going on with goods and, and services and money tra- transferring hands. Like in this example, I, I don't really see any of those things happening. So to me, at least, this is just them putting a different coat of paint on something that maybe is already happening. Um, but yeah, I'm curious how you, how you interpret it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The military doing anything in this space, I think is interesting. Your insight in the beginning there was spot on. It was almost the take I was going to make, which was, you know, the DARPA and the military created web 1.0. Um, why should we not assume that they may be the creators or the, you know, the, one of the biggest drivers of web three. Um, so that, 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 this to me makes sense. Um, obviously to your point also, we've seen a lot of existing technologies just being leveraged in military sort of, um, in in military circles or in military, um, scenarios. I've, I always try and take it to the extreme here. Right. And, and I think the conversation's most fun at the extreme. And one argument I've made, uh, I don't think I've made it on this podcast. I definitely made it on the business of esports podcast is that I believe at some point, um, soldiers especially call it air force but i think all soldiers eventually will be operating in some kind of metaverse in other words their their existence will be in a virtual world they will pilot craft in a virtual world they will run around in a virtual world there will be a real life sort of robotic unmanned version of whatever they're doing in the real world but in their minds in the soldiers perception they're operating in a metaverse right and that and that soldiers will be could end up being part-time right where i could come home and instead of driving for uber i log into the the military metaverse right Uh, i fly a couple of missions which just so happen to be that there has there just so happens there to be a real world drone equivalent right some kind of uav equivalent that i'm piloting but for me i'm coming in i'm playing a game i'm operating in a metaverse and and the the real the messiness of the real world is sort of obfuscated for me i think so this is military uh, military to earn military to earn. But it's true it's a great it's actually great uh, a great for a fight to earn or something like that right yeah. but yeah but if we take this even to a, a, a larger extreme eventually maybe there's a universe there's a there's some outcome here some future where the real world piece of it doesn't even exist where wars are fought entirely in metaverses with some agreed upon rules and there's no loss of actual life or, or equipment at all, right? That it's all, it's all happening in virtual worlds where there's some agreement in terms of, you know, here are the, here are the ground rules. Yeah. I mean, I think if we take things to the logical extreme where people are spending a lot of their time or much of their time in these virtual worlds and come to, you know, value their self in that world and their possessions in that world as much as they do their, their physical self. Yeah. I think it, it does sort of stand to reason that maybe there will be factions, fights, wars. Then you come to more of like an existential question. Like what happens if you die in the metaverse? Like, do you, do you, are you dead from that metaverse forever? Like, can you just re-log in? Like what, what exactly happened there? Um, you know, 
that that's an interesting one. Good um, question. So yeah, I'm sure stuff will touch on uh, over and over as you know people start thinking through these things and building these things, but. Uh, uh, this is one to watch, right? The, the, the military always at the cutting edge, always one of the biggest drivers of new tech. So anytime they're doing something, I think people need to sort of take notice. Um, let's talk about another big driver of tech and innovation. And that's Andreessen Horowitz, the, you know, fabled VC firm. Uh, I believe the, either the biggest or second biggest in the world at this point, like early stage VC, maybe only second to Sequoia, but, uh, Andreessen Horowitz launching a $600 million gaming fund. Uh, this announcement being made um, today, in fact, that they were recording. And what they're saying, it's they're calling the fund Games Fund One. Very creative name. It'll focus on a mix of game studios, gaming infrastructure companies, and consumer gaming software providers, similar to Discord and Twitch, that support gaming ecosystems and communities. Now, um, the fund has like a ton of investments in gaming stuff already. They've invested in uh, Axie Infinity, uh, the Axie Infinity's maker, Sky Mavis. They've invested in Roblox, they've invested in Oculus, they've invested in Zynga, right? They have a huge number of existing investments in, in gaming companies, but now they have a dedicated fund for this. And, and what's interesting about this, I think at least, Jeff, but I want your thoughts. I'm sure it was somewhere in the announcement. I had, didn't read the official announcement from Andreessen Horowitz, but it's most definitely not blockchain gaming focused, right? It's not. They didn't say this is a blockchain gaming fund and we're only going to do blockchain games. This is very much games in general, which I would argue is sort of out of fashion these (laughs) days, right? Like we do the business of esports podcast and we do this podcast and there's a lot more news about blockchain gaming, blockchain game developers raising money than there are traditional studios raising money. So what do you make of the focus and what do you make of Andreessen sort of carving this out as its own fund. It's interesting. Like, I don't know. One, it's important. It's important to note. And I think we did talk about this last week that, you know, it is a watershed moment for the industry that we're seeing venerable funds like Andreessen Horowitz creating this large of gaming dedicated funds. So we shouldn't really gloss over that because that is a massive milestone. I mean, you and I can, can still remember the time, the times back when, you know, VCs wouldn't even touch gaming because they just viewed it as too hit driven. And it was really viewed as a content industry and, and something that, you know, didn't have much value or much long-term value for, for VCs. So I think that is uh, pretty interesting to note. On the blockchain piece, I have two theories. I mean, one, I was reading another article where they were sort of asked about it and they did say like, they'll, they'll look at it. So maybe, you know, it is interesting that they didn't break it out and note it. Um, so maybe there's one element where they're just lumping that in because the article that I'm looking at here, which I think was from Gamesbeat, it says they're investing in kind of the following themes and they list game studios, games and consumer and then infrastructure. So it's possible that they're just kind of lumping web three in with game studios. And then obviously if it's an infrastructure thing, with yeah. infrastructure, which I actually almost kind of like, cause it's like at the end of the day, I, I don't think we should necessarily be looking at web three as this strange other bucket. Like the, the best successful web three gaming studios are at the end of the day going to be game studios. So, you know, I think if you're looking at them <laughs> as something different, you're probably already looking through the wrong lens. Um, however, I will put on my tinfoil hat and say, it, so that's one explanation. That's probably the one that I think is the right one. But if I put my tinfoil hat on, um, maybe <laughs> it's possible that they didn't mention it because they're going to raise another fund specific for blockchain gaming. <laughs> so that's just uh, my little tinfoil hat theory. I, you know, I don't know what, what you make of that. 
Well, let me just throw this other story up because uh, in the same breath, they announced there was an announcement for Kevin Lynn, who's one of the co-founders of Twitch, his blockchain game studio, Meta Theory, raising 24 million and the round being led by Andreessen Horowitz, right? So I think we can agree that Andreessen Horowitz as a fund, whether it's this Games Fund one or Andreessen as a whole, it's not like they're getting out of blockchain gaming as some, as some kind of focus area. Clearly, they're still investing a ton of money in that area. What is what what I am curious about going forward? So definitely curious about your your tinfoil hat theory there, because um, that would be interesting, right? A second six hundred million dollar fund just for blockchain games um, would probably be a mistake, I think. But um, we've seen it, though. We've seen it with multiple other funds. But I, I agree with your point. It would be a mistake. But like we have seen other funds do that, I think. What I love from this is I'm curious how many existing funds that have said were blockchain gaming funds will all of a sudden pivot back or to being just gaming funds, right? Like at some point, I think this separation between gaming and blockchain gaming has to your point has to go away because the most successful blockchain game studios will be game studios. So, um, This differentiation has been always a little bit artificial. In some ways, it may even have held back blockchain games because you're not thinking about the gaming first. And, and I wonder how many will pivot back and sort of copy Andreessen should Andreessen not come out with a separate blockchain gaming fund. Mm-hmm. And I think the reason why there was so much emphasis on the, the, the separation at, you know, at first is because it, it helped these you know, VCs a, raise more money from, uh, from their LPs. And then also the game companies were incentivized to do it because they were getting higher valuations. So I'm sure it's probably similar to, you know, when free to play mobile first became popular. I'm sure if you were a mobile game company and you were going to raise, you were like, well, we're a free to play mobile gaming developer. Now, like you would never say you're just a mobile game company, right? You wouldn't, you wouldn't necessarily say what kind of, of, or type of game you're building. I I also wonder if, I mean, I'm sure the folks at Andreessen Horowitz uh, listen and consume our podcasts uh, voraciously, but I think I said at one point that I believe there is a contrarian strategy here because everyone is, is like the, the blockchain gaming space is so red hot. The deals are so red hot. The valuations are so high. They're so competitive to get into. There's some like VC contrarian strategy that says we're only going to invest in traditional games. And so maybe this is Andreessen just being really clever here and uh, going back to that. I, I don't know. I have a funny feeling this is just wording more than anything. And none of this was purposeful in any way. But, uh, you know, for them, they can cast a wide net because they're a massive fund. Right. And it's not like they, they have no issues raising money. They don't need like some clever new strategy that I mean, they just hit up their LPs and the LPs will write whatever check they want. Um, so. I think we may be giving them a little bit too much credit here. It may just be. This is what we do here. We dissect, we analyze. That's, 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 that's what we it. say in the beginning. Well, let's dissect this next one. Um, Jeff, this one, you flagged this. I thought it was super interesting. Blockchain games report from DAP Radar. And I mean, we could probably spend an entire hour just on what's in here. But let me, let me just read some of the... Um, Take key takeaways that they had listed in the article. And then I know there's specific things you wanted to point out, which, which we'll talk about. But some of the key takeaways, it said, despite the negative trend in the markets, blockchain games continue to perform well. 
all-time high in daily activity with 1.23 million uh, uh, active wallets, unique active wallets. Unique active wallets, yes. Uh, interacting with blockchain games in April, so that's, that's monthly. Uh, Splinterlands remains the leading blockchain game with an average of 350,000 daily unique active wallets in April. Um, and other sites, which is from Yuga Labs, became the most traded virtual world project to date with 723 million in sales. The Yuga Labs metaverse project surpassed Decentraland and the Sandbox all-time trading volume in just two weeks. Uh, investments keep pouring into the space, four and a half billion raised by blockchain games and infrastructure projects in 2022, surpassing the 4.1 billion raised last year. So already by April, more money has been raised than the entirety of last year, which is wow. um, insane. The, the last point they make is the popularity of move, move to earn dApps is on the rise. Uh, the number of GST, which is Steppen's utility token, unique holders grew 350% from the end of March. I mean, we all know Steppen had sort of a great launch and a lot of hype around it. But um, I don't know if you want to dig into any of these, Jeff, if there's Actually, other things. I mean, you all of them to... are, there, there's, there's, you know, one or two other things, I guess. So, well, maybe one other thing I wanted to point out at the end, but all of those were super interesting. I mean, the first one, um, I don't know if you want to scroll back up to, to them. I mean, the... Uh, I'm just, I'm always interested when I hear, you know, kind of the daily active numbers in terms of unique active wallets, because it's still so small. And, and it yeah. feels like every time we say this, and I, I apologize if we're, we repeat ourselves sometimes, but it's like 1.23 million is the entire total addressable market for blockchain gamers currently. That is so, so small compared to, you know, what's the number we always throw out there? 3 billion gamers. You know, so yeah. we are orders or like a hundred million people playing PUBG mobile or, you yeah. know, like, I mean, we are orders of magnitude, you know, kind of away from, from that. And, and then the next one, you know, Splinterlands, the number one blockchain game currently 350,000 daily players like that. That is like not even a blip on the radar. You know, I mean, for, you know, what's funny about that one when you remember when new world came out uh, and on the business of esports. And when it was on the decline, it was like hitting about 300, three, like 400,000. Yeah. And we're saying this game's dead. The game's <laughs> totally dead, right? Like at yeah. 300, at three, 400,000 players, we were basically calling the game dead. So, it, you know, it's wild. And obviously the growth trajectory is there. There's a reason why we're talking about it. And, and again, you know, I think the fourth bullet point here, where we talk about the investment pouring into the space, we've said it many, many times, you know, the games are coming when there's that much investment. Clearly, uh, you know, clearly the games will follow the, you know, the next thing I wanted to dig into and get your opinion a little bit on is this other side one. Yeah, because I think it's a story that I don't know that we actually covered that much, even though it was a massive news announcement just around Yuga Labs and, and this launch of the other side, um, you know, metaverse platform. We talk a lot on this podcast about Sandbox and Decentraland, and they've almost really established themselves as I would say the really most mainstream blockchain specific metaverses. I think if we talk about metaverses more more broadly, I, I would put Roblox, we would definitely put Fortnite, maybe even like Grand Theft Auto, Call of Duty. Like there's other quote unquote metaverses that we would probably put ahead of them, certainly in terms of adoption. But in, in, when we're thinking about Web3 um, blockchain metaverses, Sandbox and Centraland are usually the first ones we talk about. So yeah. the other side is, has already exceeded them in, in terms of... Um, land sales value. So does this put them into the driver's seat? They clearly have a massive brand with 
with the board apes? Like, are they the the new hot metaverse we're going to be talking about on this this show? I mean, why does this metric even matter, though? Right, that's that's the you funny part me. to me. And like, uh, again, uh, no one more bullish on metaverse than I am. The question is, uh, I, I don't really get this. I don't get the land sales being any kind of metrics of met, metric of success other than it's a it's a hype metric right it's it's a it's a reach metric in other words how many people mm-hmm. knew about this how hyped were they and how much and therefore how much money did they spend but they haven't bought anything that does anything and as far as i know other side doesn't do anything yet right like there's no there's no reason to go to the other side um and, and I'm not even aware if it exists. Like, is it a game that you could even go to? I don't think so. I don't think it exists. Yeah, I think it's like a, <laughs> a concept. It's an idea, like a pitch deck. As far as I know, um, we could be totally wrong. I, I, I mean, and, and so you're generating all these trades and trading volume and like millions and millions changing hands, but you have nothing has been created here, right? Like, there's there's no reason to do any of this other than. I, I I don't know. Again, it's other than sort of speculation on an asset that may in the future have value for a, an unknown reason to me, because it's not clear why any of these, these land parcels will have future value. You know, I think it's Warren Buffett who said, you know, it doesn't can't farm them. You can't right? like there's, you can't rent them out. There's no, there's no like, yeah, there's, there's, there's doesn't generate. It doesn't create anything new. It's just money changing hands. And so, I'm bothered by this one because who cares? Who cares what the land sales are, right? If tomorrow Decentraland creates some killer reason why millions of people need to go to Decentraland to hang out there, to do something there, to whatever, right? All the land sales stuff doesn't matter anymore, right? What's the, the project at the bottom of this one? Worldwide Webland? I've never even heard of these guys, right? Like... <laughs> If tomorrow they figure out the killer app, (laughs) (laughs) you go there to browse the web in the metaverse. Um, But but it's kind of like, who cares? These are these are fake metrics, and all they represent is hype. Player base numbers would obviously clearly that matters more relevant statistics. Yes, yeah. Um, The other the other piece that I think you brought up was this one, which I think is worth us spending a, a minute or two on. And for those of you or listening to this, which is most of you, um, this is a pie chart. And the headline of the pie chart says, where are blockchain game investments going? So that 4 billion plus number, you know, where is that all being directed towards? Where is it being focused? The four and a half billion. And the way this pie chart's broken out, I'll go from sort of most to least here. Infrastructure number one, 1.57 billion and that's 37%, 37.3% of all the investment. Guild or incubator, number two at 19% or 0.8 billion. Investment firms, 18.1% or 0.76 billion. Game slash metaverse projects, ironically in fourth place, 16.7%, 0.7 billion. NFTs, 8.5%, 0.36 billion. And then in in last, last place here, in a pretty far away last place, media, 0.2% and 0.01 billion. I have some, well, so you sort of stole my take a little bit with your, your just 
kind of at your reaction there, because actually it's something when I brought this up at first, I didn't even contemplate. Now that I'm thinking about it, it sort of sticks out very clearly. Why? How is game not <laughs> number one? Like, that should be pretty important to building. Yes. These I mean, infrastructure, yeah, I get, and that could include, you know, various blockchains like that. That's sort of important, like the pipes, what's actually being built on that. That matters. But then you have guild. I was shocked that number two is guilds. I mean, that is effectively just the financing structure, a way to finance players into your game, right? It's, it, we've yeah. talked about it as like, like indentured servitude. It's basically yeah. like fintech for, for you know, yeah. this GameFi, which I think eventually gets, you know, if blockchain gaming is to survive in any form or fashion, this guild system probably is going to have to go away because if I have to take out a bank loan to start playing a game, like it's just a bad <laughs> user experience. Like that is not a good you know, strategy for user acquisition for your game. Like, Hey, go take out a loan so you could buy assets in my game. No, that's bad. And then the third being investment firm kind of makes sense because of the way these things have, have sparked up. It's basically just speculation and trading, but like, Come on, investment firm? Like this is about blockchain gaming. Why is in investments into investment firms? What's happening? <laughs> like that doesn't even make sense. Uh, and then NFTs was surprisingly low for some reason. I actually thought that would have been higher just because of all the hype. But um, yeah, that, I mean, that's keep my in mind, this thing. is just to date in 2022, right? This is just yeah. literally in the first four months of the year. Yeah. Um, and then media you know, is low, which I know you probably have some thoughts on. Given your, I mean, your I have obviously very strong <laughs> thoughts, but look, I, I, I draw a couple of conclusions from this one media massively overlooked opportunity. Why we're the leaders in the space, why we're doing what we're doing, why we're building what we're building. Um, it's because almost no one's looking there and they're missing the opportunity. They're missing the boat because what are people going to do in these places is consume media of some sort. There's, people want to talk about it. People want to know about it. People want to learn about it, right? Like it feeds the rest and the, it's massively, uh, there's a massive amount of underinvestment. I don't even know if that's a word right in, in that category, I think. So definitely where I see opportunity is where a lot of people are not looking. I think this confirms my thesis in, in many ways. Um, same comment you had though, like the Gilder incubator being number two, is crazy. And this is in my mind, the stupid money chasing short-term profit without any concept of how do you build a sustainable long-term business, right? It's like easy money, plenty of people in the third world playing play to earn games. Let's exploit them with these guilds and incubator these guilds. We can make a quick buck. And then, uh, you know, as these, as the margins, essentially as the, the, the earn piece gets smaller and smaller, the more players you get in there, eventually it goes away, but you've made a quick buck in the meantime. So it's like typical short-term investor thinking doesn't surprise me that it's number two. Um, I do think game slash metaverse projects should probably be number one. Um, but I, I just, the, the, the overall, the, the, other than the media piece being way too small and that being a missed opportunity, I think most investors are just not seeing it's that, it's like the gaming space. There's a lot of dumb money sloshing around going after either short-term bucks or not looking at the right things, right? Just not, not looking at the space in the right way. And maybe investment firm gives me some comfort that a lot of the money coming in admits they have no clue. So let's try and give it to people who may have a clue. But uh, there's a lot of like, have no clue, which, which is what I saw at the beginning of the gaming space three, four years ago when, money started pouring into esports and gaming 
huge amounts of investment. What was missing was the brains to actually invest it and the knowledge to actually invest it wisely. Um, we're, we're going through a similar cycle in my yeah. mind. That's a fun chart. It'll be interesting to watch. I think this report comes out monthly, so it'll be interesting to track that. Uh, that, that was a fun one, actually. Definitely. And I think the perfect uh, to end on, Jeff, as always, these fly by. Uh, thank you guys for everyone who tunes in every week. Don't forget, subscribe to the podcast. Go subscribe to our brother and sister podcast, if you want to call it that. Uh, Meta Woman and the Business of Esports. If you love this kind of content, there's so much more content that we do every week. Go follow Jeff on Twitter at Jeff Cohen 23. He's got all kinds of great takes uh, during the week uh, that you know you, you crave from the podcast. You can get it on his Twitter feed every single day. And uh, make sure to share it with a friend. Don't forget, send this podcast, put it on your socials, share it with a friend. We really appreciate it. Don't forget, the future is fun, guys. We'll see you next week. Thanks for joining us here on Meta Business. Make sure to subscribe to this podcast everywhere you get your podcasts. Leave a five-star review and tell your friends, family, and colleagues all about us. Also, make sure to follow Meta TV on all socials to get more of the best Metaverse content anywhere. Tune in every week for another episode of Meta Business.